It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into another edition. Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth, Mike Evans, Scott DeHuff produced the show. Michael, how are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Very, um, very impressed like a lot of people. By that uh, statement that the Ravens made oh. Sunday night, huh? Didn't we talk about this last week? We talked about this on this exact show. The idea that, hey, um, while a lot of coaches lose their nerve and piddle down their leg at the mere sight of Bill Belichick on the other sideline, yeah. John Harbaugh does not. No, he's not afraid. And guess what? The Ravens beat the Patriots at their own game. It was the Patriots that self-combusted and made right made the, the big mis- mistakes. Made the mistakes. I, I tell you what, the... They are so, they being the Ravens, are so uniquely constructed, Mike. And, you know, this is one of those things where they decided, it was funny, because it was Ozzie Newsom's last draft, and Ozzie and several of the other scouting department heads wanted to take Lamar Jackson at the end of the draft. They want to move up and take Lamar Jackson at the end of the draft. And they needed, like, permission from the head coach. Like, they needed the head coach to be on board. And the head coach was like, hell yeah, let's do it. He's exciting. He's phenomenal. We'll figure it out, right? We're going to have to figure it out. And so I talked to John Harbaugh um, a couple weeks ago. And we had this long discussion about Lamar Jackson. And he was like, you know, this is one of those situations where we look like, we look at, at this like we're at the forefront of this kind of NFL revolution. And not taking Lamar Jackson or saying that you have to make Lamar Jackson, you know, doesn't fit. You, you have to make him a wide receiver or whatever is is just ignorant. And he said there is an opportunity to kind of change the way the NFL operates. And one of the things he said was, listen, the the passing game, there hasn't been a new concept in the passing game in 20 years. Like all these, you know, three by one, two by two formations, you know. A bunch formations, all these things like th- that. That mine has been dug. Like there's nothing new in there, and so they're like, we're at the forefront of a revolution with the running quarterback. And the other thing he talked about is like I talked to him about, hey, what about you know wh- what people will say and what I've said, and because you know I looked at it like ah, this is unsustainable. You can't sustain this. And John is like, listen, Lamar right now. Takes, you know, two, three shots a game. And he's done a good job of running out of bounds or getting down and doing all those things. But he takes two or three shots a game that I'd rather him not take. But he goes, is it really any more than the drop back, the traditional drop back quarterback? And it's funny, I'm calling a game in Seattle between Baltimore and Seattle. And I swear to you, Russell Wilson took more shots in that game, even though he did leave the pocket, but maybe once or twice. Then did Lamar Jackson. And I think they're looking at it like this, Mike. You know, the NFL is everybody's looking for now, not just a a quarterback that can operate behind center for a decade. Every now, because of Drew Brees and because of Tom Brady, they're looking for two decades. Like, how can we get our next quarterback for the next 15 to 20 years, right? That's what everybody's saying. And I think Baltimore's saying, hey, man, look at the Cam Newton model. Cam Newton was great for five, six, seven years. He's constructed differently than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is thin. He's he's skinnier. He's quick. Um, you know, Cam's part of Cam's game was quarterback counter, and I'm going to run through you. You know, I'm going to run you over at 6'5", 255, or whatever I was. 
And that's not who Lamar Jackson is. So they're looking at it like, hey, listen, is this an eight-year window? If it's an eight-year window and we turn the NFL on its head, then who cares? Like, we're developing runs that nobody else has. And I will tell you, you watch them on a consistent basis, Mike. They're phenomenal. Like, what they do in the running game the way they split the field in half and get an extra blocker on the front side of their runs where they're getting, you know, seven on five or six on five blocking schemes with a quarterback as dynamic as him. Pete Carroll told me, point blank, this guy, Lamar Jackson, more dynamic a player than Michael Vick, end quote. I mean, come on now. I, I Like, I was a skeptic. I'm a skeptic. Like, I still look at it as, like, is it sustainable? And they're looking at it like, I don't know if it's sustainable. We don't really care. What we're going to do is we're going to try to win now with this system why nobody has caught up to it, and we don't think anybody can. All right. Did he jump to the head of the class then when it comes to the MVP race? I don't know that he jumped to the head of the class because I think what you see Russell Wilson doing is still absolutely remarkable, doing it more of a traditional style. And the one thing they say – in Seattle's, hey, listen, when things break down, we want to be the best scramble team in the history of football. And they really are. When you took it, when you talk about Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and the connection those two guys have when things break down, they're unbelievable. And everybody on that team now looks at it and goes, okay, how can I have that kind of connection? You know, DK Metcalf's going like, how can I become like that? Like, how can we like there's this there's this um internal competition to be great. When things do break down, they've got a great running game. Seattle is just one of those one of those teams that's awesome. But I think when MVP, like if you're talking about the MVP race right now as it's currently constructed, and I know the season doesn't end today, but you'd have to say Russell Wilson and probably, you know, probably kind of if Russell Wilson's a 10, the next guy's coming in at a 7. And that would be Lamar. Uh, Deshaun Watson would be in that group, I think. Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, no question. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's got a great chance to become the third 1,000,000 guy in the history of the National Football League. 1,000 yards rushing, 1,000 yards receiving. Roger Craig, I believe, the first to do it. Then Marshall Falk. Christian McCaffrey's got a legitimate chance to do exactly that. And if he does that... Does, does that catapult him to the top of that MVP conversation? Yeah, I know people are really jumping on Lamar Jackson's bandwagon. I get it. You know, anytime somebody new comes along, it's it's the it's the it's all the rage. But you know, I still question whether or not him running 15, 16 times in a game is is sustainable. Not even for the next five, seven years, but just can you can you survive a season doing that? Plus I still need to see more evidence that, you know, that that his style works when it comes to to winning a Super Bowl, and you know, can he still win enough from the pocket? Say this about Russell Wilson: we know he can run, we know he's extremely mobile, we know he's one of the smartest uh, scramblers out there. But Mark, what he has done when it comes to owning games from the pocket? I mean, do you realize in the last five, and we're not even through five full seasons. I'm t- I'm going back four plus seasons. The guy has a touchdown to interception ratio of like 146 to 38. This year he's 22 to 1. Yeah. He's got 22 touchdowns and one interception. I mean, I, I, listen, all due respect to those other guys, to me it's not even close. It's Russell Wilson. They're 7 and 2 in an ultra competitive NFC and and they are solely there because of Russell Wilson. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing cuz when you start handicapping the teams in the NFC, you think about this. 
Like you say, who's the best team in the NFC? And everybody will go through, hey, San Francisco, New Orleans. You know, you've got uh, the and people will bring up the Cowboys because of their physicality there and the way they run the ball. There are nine teams currently in the NFC above 500. Right. And, and, like, how far do you go down before you put Seattle in that category? Like, they're 7-2. and two, And, you know, they've played a bunch of close games. They haven't even come close to playing their best games. Pete Carroll was was very interesting. The year they won the Super Bowl. Remember in 2013 when they, they won the Super Bowl? Yep. They had nine games in that season that came like were they won by one score games late in that season. Like and he actually showed them in Seattle, he showed his football team kind of those scenarios. These like he showed them, guys. The reason we won the Super Bowl and the reason we were so good at the end is because we had a fight for everything throughout the season. And you kind of feel like with Seattle, they they have that about them. Like they're 7-2, and two, and in Seattle, they're talking about them like a 2-7 and seven football team, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're very critical of, of what they've done, and they still sit at 7-2. and two. And so they understand, and Pete Carroll told me, he's, he's just like, listen, man, you learn so much more about yourself in one of those tight games, one of those one-score tight games that go all the way down the last two minutes of the game, you know, where you finally get to kneel on it, than you do, I'd rather win those games than have a, a, a double-digit blowout because my team doesn't learn anything in a double-digit blowout. And so... They've got this mentality that they I, – I just get this sense that they really love right where they are. And, and I will tell you about them. Like, you can talk about New Orleans being great, and I think they are. San Francisco is great. I think they're a really good team. Like, there's a lot of really good teams, right? But there's something about Seattle that I think gives people pause. Like, I don't really want to play the Seahawks and those second reaction plays that they're known for and what the, you know what they're able to do. To their opponents. All right, so um, call your shot. Who's the best team in the NFC? I'm a big, I'm a big 49er fan. I'm a big Kyle Shanahan fan. What they're doing in, in with the 49ers, but I think it's, you know, I think it's the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, here's the crazy thing about the New Orleans Saints. So the New Orleans Saints, you know, have got the name value, right? They went, they went undefeated with their backup quarterback. Kamara hasn't played in a lot of games. They finally get Drew Brees back, right? And what do they have? One loss on the season right now. So they're a one-loss football team, and we talk about the Michael Thomases, and we talk about the Marcus Lattimore's, and we talk about the Drew Breeses and the Camaras, and you know, and all the talent they have all over the football field. When you watch them on a consistent basis, you know what they do? They whip ass in the trenches, both sides of the ball. Like they're like you don't you don't give them credit, and I think people take it for granted. People see all the weapons, and they focus on the weapons. Right, your, your focus. I think teams prepare for them, and they focus on the sizzle. The stake is their trenches. They win in the trenches, and you show me a team that wins in the trenches. The Niners, undefeated, they win in the trenches. Seattle, right? I mean, you you look at teams that win in the trenches. Seattle's running game is tremendous. Baltimore, Baltimore just, I mean, absolutely wins in the trenches. Show me the teams that win in the trenches. I'll show you the teams that right now are leading the league and leading their divisions. You think about that, man. It's it's incredible. Think about the NFC West right now. San Francisco's undefeated. Um Seattle is seven and is two. seven and two. 
the Rams. I don't know what the Rams' record is, but they're they're right there in in five and three or whatever their record is, right? But completely under the radar. Completely under the and radar. Who would welcome the chance to? I mean, can you imagine you're a you're a division winner, right? You're a division mm-hmm. winner. You got a home game mm-hmm. and wild card weekend, right? You draw the Rams. Yeah, you draw the Rams. Here come the Rams that. in town. Yeah, good luck. And by the way, Arizona is no longer an easy out like they were last year. So I mean, you talk about a tough division. That is a tough division. Well, NFC playoffs are going to be a blast. Oh my gosh, so good! They are going to be. Would it wouldn't surprise me at all if a wild card team made it to the Super Bowl? Oh, it, out of the NFC. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. I mean, there's so many good. There's so many good teams. You, a team you just saw the other day. The Eagles seem to be getting it back together. Eagles, like Eagles, are a one again. Talk about teams that win in the trenches. Oh, I'm telling you what, man. Now, their old line, and they're they're down Hall of Fame tackle uh, uh, Jason Peters. And let me tell you, that dude is a man. But they went out, they drafted well. They got a kid by the name of Andre Dillard from Washington State, who's an outstanding young player. You look at Jason Kelsey's unbelievable. Their guard play is unreal. Brandon Brooks is... He's 6'5", 335, and, like, you look at him, there ain't no fat on that body. I mean, he's incredible. Lane Johnson's incredible. They they can run the ball. They can get five guys out in the pattern because they're so good up front. They're not, they're not afraid to go 5-0 protection and just say, our five are better than your five. Let's roll. Um, and the one thing that hurts them is they got Deshaun Jackson back in the game I called last weekend, and he left in the first quarter, re-aggravated that uh, – that abdominal strain, and now they're going to have to have surgery on it. Yeah. So the one thing that they lack is elite-level speed on the outside. And like when they got that back, I thought, this is a team that's going to be that's going to be tough. They got all their cornerbacks back. They've been injured. Like They're in their bye week right now, but they got healthy the week before their bye mm-hmm. week. Like I think that bodes well for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, yeah, I'm with you. They're, they're a team right now that a half game behind or a game behind the Dallas Cowboys – they're a team right now that um, that I think uh, have a chance in the second half to really, you know, to really put some space between them and and the rest of the uh, wild card competitors. All right. So while we're talking about excellence in the NFL, at the other end of the spectrum are the Cleveland Browns, who find a way, believe it or not, to out brown the out brown themselves. Right. You know, because I mean, they've always been the Browns. Right. This year, I think they've actually managed to to even embarrass. Pass Browns teams <laughs> with 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 what's going on. I mean, what can Brown do for you, Mark? I mean, this this latest week, okay, you lose, you lose to a, a bad Broncos team that's starting a, a, a rookie quarterback um, who who hasn't done anything in well, four years. He's not years. a rookie, well, he's but he's rookie. never played, right? I mean, but I, I, a rookie from the standpoint that in four years in the NFL, he hasn't put up one NFL stat. Mm-hmm. So. You lose to that. You, um, after the game, have to deal with Jermaine Whitehead, who is just going bonkers on on social media. Yeah, literally threatening to kill people on social media. Right. You you got you got OBJ and and Jarvis Land. Uh, 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 you got receivers like OBJ. You know, being told they have to change their their shoes. Right. At their halftime. Right? At halftime. Because they don't meet the. Uh... 
whatever they are. They they, they violate the uniform code, code or whatever. And by the way, this is OBJ just coming off the, the game in New England, which he decided, you know, probably with weeks in advance to plan, goat hair shoes that he's going to give to Tom Brady. And mm-hmm. wonder what Brady did with those as quickly as he got into the confines of the locker room. Probably I hope he just tossed them. Tossed them. And, and then you had Baker Mayfield, who showed up at the stadium with one look on his face, uh, facial hair. Right. Full shaved, beard. Full beard. Shaved into a Fu Manchu before he went out for pregame warm-ups. Mm-hmm. And then after the game, shaved again and had an overall look that had people comparing him to a down-on-his-luck Columbo from the 70s. Right. Uh, to one of the wet bandits in the Home Alone movies. movies. Right. So much so that Macaulay Culkin, of all people, decided to mock Baker Mayfield on Twitter. You know you have sunk to some pretty low levels when Macaulay Culkin is calling you out. I'm telling that picture that made its way through social media of Baker Mayfield at the podium after the game. I mean, it literally looks like they just went out and found him underneath a bridge, you know, in a cardboard <laughs> box. And like, hey, uh, you got to speak to the media. Huh? <laughs> what? No? You know, I mean, I just imagine his voice. Remember Taxi, Jim Ignatowski? Yeah, that's right. right. Huh? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, it just was it, it, like to talk about the wheels coming off. And I, again, it, it gives me great joy because here's a team that read its ple- press clippings that talked about the hype. Yeah, you better. We're coming after. We're Cleveland. The hype is real. You know, this, that, and the other. They completely are overwhelmed. Like, at what? Show me one time when, hey, we're one elite receiver away from winning a world championship. Did that ever pan out? I mean, OBJ, listen, OBJ may be great. He's great. He's worth the price of admission just to watch him in pregame, make a bunch of one handed catches, and then make a bunch of two handed drops during the game. I just am like, like, one of the great one of the great things that's never been talked about or one of the great mistakes they made, and John Dorsey's a football guy. Their GM's a real football guy. You trade away what I think is probably one of your, if not your, best offensive linemen on an offensive line that had question marks. You trade him away to the Giants. It's Kevin Zeitler, and you say, hey, we don't, we don't need that guy. I mean, we got OBJ. You know, we got weapons. Like, it, it's just, I mean, it's, it's comical. Like you said, what can Brown do for you? Nothing. We can't do anything for you. And, and we're taking, you and I are taking particular, I guess, relish, enjoyment out of this because we're doing this podcast during the summertime when all mm-hmm. the hype and when it seemed like every magazine you picked up had a Brown on the cover. Right. We're like, wow. I mean, have you ever seen so much hype directed at at, at a person or a team that, that's done nothing to earn it? And, boy, they're going to go into a season with a big old bullseye on their back. Mm-hmm. I wonder how they handle it. You know, I'm rooting for them to, to fail because, you know, they're, they're, they're pumping themselves up without having earned anything. And, boy, has it come to pass. So, yeah, I'll freely admit I am – and it's probably going to piss off Brown fans out there, but I'm sorry. I am enjoying the hell out of watching this team crash and burn. I, I, if you're a Browns fan, you got to kind of almost get to the point where you're like, really, guys? Really? Like, how long is Baker uh, Baker uh, Baker's list now? You know, remember that scene from Billy Madison where Billy calls up and apologizes and then, what's that, guys? 
Steve Buscemi with the big giant eyes, you know, rubs, takes the lipstick and crosses his name off the list and then puts some lipstick on, you know. I mean, that, like, just Baker Mayfield's list has got to be, it's got to be like 10 miles long of people on his list. Like, you got to quit concerning yourself with lists and start concerning yourself with plays. And, and stop with the false swagger, you know, continuing to be like, well, you know. Oh, when I, yeah, when I am a, you know, when. When I'm good, uh, I, you know, it's bravado when I'm, or whatever, you know. When it's bad, it's like, you guys can't have it both. Right. Yeah, we, we can yeah, do we whatever can. we can do whatever how about, just be a little, how about just a little hum- humility? Huh? Right. Just a little bit. Just a touch of humility. All right, we got to finish up with okay. something funny. All right. All right, this is funny. I don't know if you happen to see it, but during the Monday night game, a black cat got loose on the field at, uh, at, at the Giant Stadium, right? And it's running around while the game is going on between Dallas. And thank God, thank God, if you're listening to the radio call, as I was, the uh, inimitable Kevin Harlan was on the call. Oh, there's a cat. A black cat has taken the field. A black cat is running from the 20 to the near side, the 10. From the 39 in Dallas, here's a short throw down the middle caught by Ingram. Caught at the 35, <laughs> went to the 30. Now the cat running the other I mean, way. And so is Ingram at the 30 to the 25. Two play, the play, play by play. Of the Dallas Cowboys, it's a catcher on a 15. Now the cat is stopped at the 50. So is it bad luck for the Giants? Is it bad luck know. for the Cowboys? I don't know, but they've stopped playing. The players with hands on hips are watching the cat run and zigzag all over the field. The black cat is at the other end of the field. He's Black at the cat eight. doesn't know that it was last Thursday that was Halloween. Thursday oh, night right. football, yeah, not Monday night football. He's a little bit late. Now he is sitting <laughs> and looking. Now he's at the five. He's Who brought walking. the cat? He's walking to the three. He's at the two. And the cat is in the CDW red zone. CDW <laughs> people who get it now. The a policeman. State trooper is sponsoring. The cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. <laughs> and the cat is elusive. Kind of like Barkley and Elliott. That that is that is the awesome. Best. The best. It's awesome. That's 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 instant. That is a touchdown. That is a touchdown. And not only does he get the sponsor in, but he read the tagline. Too. Yeah. I mean, how about that? That's good. How about that? And I heard a lot of people saying, Mike, they were like, "Are there a lot of cats? Like, why is it always on the East Coast that there's cats? You do seem to see a lot of cats at you know football stadiums, baseball parks. Yeah, I think they're stadium cats." What's a stadium cat? Stadium. You know, I grew up like I grew up in Alaska. We had horses like everywhere. Like all the the neighborhood was kind of a horse neighborhood. So a lot of people had horses. A lot of people had barn cats. Barn cats to control the mice, the ah, rats, mice. Okay. Like there's always kind of popcorn crumbs and everything else. That's like a mouse haven, right? Mice love stadiums. All kinds of treats and things, and like they love barns. Like the mice want to get nestled up in the hay and make a little hay nest for their family. Like little Stuart Little in there. <laughs> then you get that. Then you get the barn cat in there, and the barn cat's just dispensing justice, right? Claws, everything else, just prowling. Little mice hiding around. Finally, they just go. Hey, it's not even worth living here. We got to move. This guy's a. I mean, this is like a like this a cat terror, right? Just going all over the place. So I'm thinking that maybe a lot of these East Coast stadiums. Have cats? Uh, it's like, like a cat on cats. the payroll, right? It's yeah. like you know, you're here to, right? Because how else do you explain a cat just wandering in off the street, off the parking lot, just right. into a stadium and then out onto the field? I yeah, mean, you it, think cats are looking around, going, "What are all those lights? <laughs> I wonder what that is over yeah. there." Then just motoring in, like right. all these warm cars, you know, maybe lay on the hood for a while. Ooh, so warm. <laughs> 
And they're like, what's that smell and that noise? And they just wander into the and stadium. And no. the field all of a sudden? No, they don't want to do that. It's a stadium cat that was chasing a mouse. The next thing he knew, he was in the, he was in the spotlight. He's like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing out here? <laughs> right? And then people start cheering. Yeah. And then he gets his, you know, then yeah, he becomes a bit of a show yeah, pony. Yeah, He's like, yeah, look hey, at this cut. Huh? Hey, hey. hey, look, yeah. all four feet off the ground. Yeah. Move, Ooh, hey, you know. Straight cat strut. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a ladies' man. Real Casanova. <laughs> Woo! Right, and he's just rolling around being a cat. That's right. And Kevin Harlan there to describe it all. That was Ke- that was that, that was, was that impressive. Was, the that fact was that he could get a red zone sponsor oh. read in with the cat, and his play by play style, which is so I mean, it's he does Energetic, great. Right? He does a great job on television. He was just here on Sunday doing the Broncos Browns game on 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 CBS. But his style is perfect for radio, and yeah. he was d- describing. I mean, he's describing the Ingram run while the cat's on the other end at the same time. Right. I mean, that's you know, as a as a as a as a fellow broadcaster, you know, looking at listening to that, I'm just like, wow, that is that's Hall of Fame stuff right there. That, that is that's, clip that's that great off, stuff. clip it off, and send it to wherever you send. You know, the Edward R. Moreau stuff. Moreau, yeah, yeah that, stuff. That, that is as good as it gets right there. Yep. Kevin Harlan, legend. Yeah. I cannot wait to, I, you know, I hope I bump into him here in the near future and just say, dude. tip my cap, dude. Yep. The cat call was Props. absolutely me. Yow. Absolutely meow. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that does it for another uh, another show. Speaking of Hall of Fame. That's what people are saying about these podcasts someday. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, all four of you that listen, <laughs> we appreciate you four. Hey, for everybody involved in the Stinky Truth Podcast, for Mike, myself, for Scott, we thank you. And uh, you know what? We'll do this again later on in the week.